Alright, man. Alright, man. Alright, man. There might be a song inserted in front of this, so who knows, but we so. here, man. Surface Thinkers episode doesn't matter it's a new we're episode we're man. numbers at this point yeah we have a number who what are numbers it's just we created that shit that's another social numbers? construct <laughs> another created construct man how's it going it's going pretty good man how are you doing bro good man it's good to see you you know before we even get into our uh our uh, uh our cannabis update for the people who like to know we smoke in all our connoisseurs bro how are you feeling, bro? Like update up, update the people on your last like four or five days or so. So we had to skip last week, right? Because right. I was sick as fuck from the COVID Moderna vaccine second dose. And I you said you said that's the Moderna, and it's good to specify which one it is because there's so many different variations now, and it seems like each one has different effects. Yeah, definitely different side effects. So like my roommate and my girlfriend got Pfizer. And Pfizer's is what I'm hearing is the good, the good one. Did they have a Quote, good experience? Unquote, the good one. Did they have a good experience? They didn't have as bad of an experience as I did. <laughs> <laughs> they both, they, I think like their arms hurt, but overall, like, that's what I heard. A little Arm bit tired. and a headache yeah. is all I've heard about so, Pfizer. So like, I felt like I had the flu. Like I thought I had COVID. That's so what I that's was so what sick. We talked about it the last episode. Yeah. Well, the low bros homie. Was yeah. That literally the, the end of the episode. So what a great segue into this one is like, yeah, so I got the second one on a Saturday. Saturday was cool. Went to like a B-Day party, small B-Day party inside of the house. Ate some Jollibee. Whew. Have you ever had Jollibee chicken? No, what's that? Filipino fried chicken. Jollibee. Bro, it's so good. Oh, they then, got these I, little then, I have, then I have had it. I just didn't know that's what With I was gravy. No, it's like a fast food joint, though. Oh, it's like a place. I thought it was like a style because I was Bro, like, no. Nah. Shout out to my Filipino homies, man. Homie John Mark, Christian, all the homies, you know what I'm saying? Christopher, John Walter, all that. You feel me? They, put me, on, they put me on all the Filipino food, everything. You ever had Balut? No. You know what that is? I do. Yeah. That's why I've never had it. Tell the people what it is because I bet it's, somebody doesn't know. I'm not exactly sure, but it's like a oh, it's very premature duck fetus. Duck fetus. It is a egg. duck or, chi- or chicken fetus, fetus egg. Duck or chicken? I I, I had duck. Nice. Yeah, I was. You know, sometimes delicacies from other cultures is just not my jam. Like I like to like like a lot of different types of food. I'm like generally not picky and like trying different types of food, but I'm also like picky when it comes down to texture and flavor and what I like. I guess. And sometimes, you know, things just it's not for me. That makes sense. That makes <laughs> and I sense. I feel like Balut's one of those things. <laughs> Bro, one time I was at a loud birthday party for like a one-year-old. And like, so, you know, I don't know about your family, but for a one-year-old party, usually there's like, for my family, there's like cake and a few family members and they all hang out. A loud birthday party, they rented out a community center. Yeah. And literally anybody that was connected to the family was there and yep. it was tight. Yeah. It was so much fun for a one-year-old birthday party. That's how you're supposed to do it. So you're saying typically so, so, it's like... <laughs> for my family, no, it's just small. Hmm. small. But my family, like, you know, it's, it's different. My mom's, side li- my mom's side lives mostly around here. My dad's side lives somewhere else and stuff. But anyways. But they, even, even like community-based? 90, no. Sorry about that, y'all. Y'all know about these damn dogs. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yeah, so I had some water buffalo that was marinated in bitter melon at this party I'm talking about, and I had to do like the fold the picnic plate into the garbage bin because I couldn't I couldn't eat it. It was 
It was gnarly. It was like some wa- raw water buffalo tripe, which is like stuff like right, right, stomach stuff. With like, I'll eat I'll eat fun stuff, but like it was, and then marinated in bitter melon. And bitter melon, I don't know if you ever had that. Very bitter to beyond beyond like any bitterness. You yeah, because the meat sounded cool, but the bitter. Well, it looked like some like sweet beef or something. So I was like, put hella on my plate, and then I was like, what the fuck is this? I'm trying to eat it and I just couldn't. Uh, I, I would try. try <laughs> so I, you hit the old fold the like, plate. Who knows about? I wonder which one of our thinkers, man. I hope you guys know about the old fold the plate trick. If you don't, when you go somewhere, usually a barbecue and or family function where they're giving paper plates out because they're feeding the masses. What you do when you're done with uh, struggling through some meals or some food that wasn't very delicious. You hit it with the good old fold the plate. Mmm, that was so good. And tuck them away. And it's best that you don't want to touch any trash, but you want to kind of like bury it a little <laughs> bit. So like you want to put it like under something else so that like it doesn't pop open and they're like, oh, here's a whole meal in this folded plate. And you didn't even finish your chicken down to the bone. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> See, then now people are talking to you crazy. This guy doesn't even know how to eat over here. The old fold Oh, you don't like my, my potato salad? All right, well. So, yeah, anyways, back to, like, what we were talking about before is I was hella sick. I felt fine, and then I did not start. I was not feeling fine. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I got the shot Saturday. Monday, I was still, I was coughing all over the place Monday. So, that was fucking scary because I was like, oh, I got COVID. Fuck. <laughs> you know, like, I can't control the cough. I think I got COVID. Fuck. This is what it feels like. Which I'm, is irrational. I'm die. Fuck. No, I didn't think I was going to die, but, you know. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to get home. I went home and fell asleep at like, I went home immediately, fell asleep at like 3.30 and slept till like 9 and then like 8 or something and fell back asleep. Woke up the next day. The next day I worked in the cannabis industry. It was 4.20 on Tuesday, which was the next day. I woke up feeling like shit, but it's like, I can't like just not go in because like. Well, Some other shit. Yeah, fair. And yeah. there's like a holiday. So, I mean, I was like, let me at least try. I go in for my shift. I start at 7.30 in the morning. I work till like 10.30. I take my first 15. I fall asleep. And they're like, I wake up and they're like, yo, you okay? And I was just like, no, I'm really fucking sick. And you could just see to my face. Like, I had no energy. I was taking my temperature all the time. Like, it was bad. So then I just got to go home. And my 4.20 drank. I drank an edible. Took a CBD rsl and slept all day i could i had a migraine i couldn't like look at my phone i couldn't watch tv i like, actually need to take a cbd bath love yourself people man especially all my uh masculine listeners love yourself man it's okay you don't gotta be smelly and sweaty all the time take a bubble bath get some cbd man take yourself a bubble bath all right, let's get into the episode the way we always rock the episode. I know my people have been waiting. They're wondering. They're trying to figure out what the hell it is that we're smoking on this episode. And I myself have got some of this Luxurati. Luxurati from Gabriel. So I'm smoking on that Luxurati. We don't know the genetic bag. I think bagging. it's on the bag, is it? I think it's on the bag on the back. I don't think so. It was on the quarters. One in, 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 in the top right, no, no, Ooh. no. Well, it looks good. What's it look no. like? Oh, it looks really delicious. It looks like honestly, like it's it's got to be a biscotti cross. Got to be, but I don't know what the luxury part is, you know. 
What's so luxurious about this biscotti? Oh my goodness, the Does it flavor have diamonds, on it. the oh, flavor man. on it. What's it taste like? Oh man, that tastes good. It tastes like some good gas. It tastes like some mm. like not just like that gas gas, like where it's like diesel-y, but like some sweet gas. Mm-hmm. So I found the cross. Some quick. It's strawberries and cream and biscotti. No fucking wonder, bro. Yeah. That strawberries and cream, bro. That's the terps of strawberries and cream. Like you cross it with anything. Because the psychoactive yeah. effects are like subpar, really not that heavy. But like but for the flavor. Bro, the Scotty with the strawberries and cream. No wonder they were gone. Good looking, my boy. No problem. Oh, and I man. got the what was it called? Oh yeah, the hyphy from Taurus. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, Ooh. man. Shout out to my nigga P. Marche, man. We're going to have to blow that, man. He from the yes. Bay Area. So that's like that. That's that Bay Area, that hyphy. You know what I'm talking about? I'll just read the, la- I'll read the label for this one because they give you lots of details. Yeah, talk about it. It is a Bacchio Gelato X Gushers. That's what you. That's what I got looking, you. Bro, yeah. bro Baccio Gelato Baccio. is my favorite weed. I remember you saying that. I didn't know if it was the Baccio or the Acai Gelato. It's the Baccio. Baccio. So this is crushed with Gushers. And Gushers is wedding cake in Gelato 41. Oh, my goodness. That's just <laughs> going to be so damn good. Oh, real smokers know, man. Hey, if you never smoked that Baccio, man, shout out to Taurus Farms, man. They coming out with some heat right now. They brought So they brought three new things today. They brought this. They brought... Uh, Peanut Sunday, which was Dosi Dos Sunday Driver. I gotta take that. Hey, shout out to little bro, man. Little bro, I'm about to bring that to you to smoke too. Bro. And then you gotta taste the that. other one they brought was Grape Pie GMO. That's stupid, bro. The Baccio really, really cross with, with the it. Gushers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I got the Scotty cross with the strawberries. And I, I man, I might have to twist up a whole nother wood and mix them bitches. Ooh. Once you know what they taste like separately, I think. Of course. I like to always know first, and then I'll mix it. That's match. why we've done it this way. That's why first it's the luxurati right now, which I'm very happy with. You got like the so now I understand what why I said sweet gas because you got like the really sweet strawberries and cream terpenes coming through, but then there's that like biscotti cookie kind of a gelato type undertone to it too. It gives kind of like a gassy element. Really tasty stuff, man. Gusta, the man Brian Gabriel came through again. I don't know the owner of Taurus, but they're doing their thing over there too, man. So, you know what? I was going to try and keep it like under wraps, but I think we should be transparent with the people, man. So, we've been learning and growing, growing and learning. And we lost an episode, you guys. We lost an episode. So... We're just going to bring back that same content, man. And we've actually been able to study a little bit more, expand on the concepts. But we are going to talk about a band called Death. Go ahead and let them know, Chris, about a little bit of the back history. (coughs) I think it's funny that we lost the episode because Death as a band was lost in the history of music. The irony is uncanny. They were like swept under the table. Oh, yep, it's right here. And no one heard of them until later on in like 2000s and shit. Um, I'm trying to put my notes on it because it was we recorded this shit. Away. It was like the second episode. Yeah, this was gonna be episode two, but now it's coming it out as like, episode whatever number is dropping. Fuck. <laughs> but it's all we good. Fucked up. Here, I found them. Hey, I found them. So yeah, basically, it's about a band that was a punk band in the '70s that preceded all the other punk bands. And they so were, they are the first punk band ever. So when you listen to punk rock and roll music, Nirvana. Another Ramon, Ramon, the Ramon, Ramon. Kinda, yeah, yeah Nirvana, Nirvana. The, the Ramones, 
Uh, the Clash. The Clash. Uh, no Effects, Dead Kennedys. All of these groups. We'll say Ramones is probably the closest, like, sonically, rep- like, sonically representation. And probably the most, like, globally renowned that may be arguable. Please don't be upset if you're like, man, I don't want the Ramones. What about the so-and-sos? <laughs> the, the Ramones were, quote, unquote, the first punk band. So, like, they got the credit, basically. Right. Or these guys didn't get the credit for, like, putting punk on the map. So, so. Um, they're in the 70s, so they're predating everything punk. Mm-hmm. And they're three brothers from Detroit. And not only are they three siblings, brothers, but they're three brothers from mm-hmm. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's these three black guys from Detroit. Dennis, Bobby, and David. And then, so the three brothers, they... Um, Essentially, it's not even their own creation. Their parents have a love for music that they introduce to them early on, which is what mm-hmm. they talk about in the initial documentary. They allow, allow them access to it. Exactly, you know? which, I mean, in that time area of, like, the 60s, 70s, with all this sort of segregation and and, and, and the amplification of, like, racism, because racism is still going on and living, full and true, but the amplification of it, was at such a high point that I think offering their kids an outlet and a means of creativity was really their objective, especially in a rough city like Detroit. Definitely. So they were able to like get locked in their bedroom and just play music. Um, I think they started kind of in... Not, never mind. We're, we're, they, they just started playing, and the creative genius behind the band was called David. His name was David. <laughs> the oldest of uh, the, old, the three. So his weed's got me choking. <laughs> is it good? It's, it's, it's a like good, good choke. Okay, okay, no, it's just cool. like a sharp, spicy. Okay, it reminds okay. me of a grease monkey kind of. Ah, it's just gas. Just gas, bro. But anyway, so the oldest brother, David, is uh, pretty much he's the brains. He's the leader of the group, and is respected by his younger brothers as well. He's taking that position, and he's the guitar player. So he wanted to play rhythm guitar like Pete Townsend from the Who, but also lead guitar like Jimi Hendrix. Um, and so they they were practicing their their woodshedding, you know, just, just doing their thing, making music, making, making music together, trying to find their sound. Yeah, I and think they, they tried a couple different band titles and stuff. They like did. That. I forgot to write it all down, but they, you know, they're just playing and shit. And then eventually they were like, you know, we should record these things. They hung up a bunch of yellow pages on the wall and threw a dart, and they just picked whatever one the dart landed on to record their like demo. And I was like, that's gonna be the studio that we go to. So for our younger generation listeners. Uh, people who don't have yellow pages or don't know what yellow pages is, there was a time period where the only re- way you could, you couldn't Google search. There was no, oh, I'm going to Google a record studio. You would have to go to the record, uh, you'd have to go to the yellow pages and find recording studios in the section and then find all the businesses that were categorized under that business. So they ripped that page out and literally just threw a dart and let Destiny kind of take them in a direction for where they recorded their album. Did they name, I think I don't know if they named it before. I think they named the band before, but like, no, I don't think it. the damn. I don't think they had named the band yet because <laughs> they named the band after the album released and the brothers were all a little bit. No, because they would. Didn't they have to like name it with the album though? You know, like well, they would have to. They would have to have a name on it. I think that's when they had a different name initially. They did. Yeah, it was like Funkadelic S- Train Express or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Because it was yeah, like yeah. they're always funky, but they like never stop going, and it was like. It was like a fun- funky 
Conductor Express. Sorry, we're like, this weed's really good, guys. We're just fucking drifted right now. Mm. But like, anyways, they recorded, they eventually called the band Death. They were through the dart, started recording in the studio, and like, they like made this dope demo. And like, the people that recorded it really liked the sound, but they were like, yo, you gotta change the name. Yeah, we can't. We can't call you Death. It didn't work. It's not gonna sell. And initially, they were pushing and pushing and tugging and pulling for them to, you know, hey, we'll give you the money that you need, but the name is it. And David, and, okay. Well, and think about like at the time, like in Detroit, like the names and the artists that are being like put out have like really like friendly names and like. Right. This isn't things a, that, like white people will relate to. Right. And buy records of, you know. Nothing threatening, nothing scary to the general public, quote unquote scary. Right, right, yeah. and and the concept of death in itself was something that probably had him terrified. Yeah. So, go ahead. so the I guess they got rejected, and they just they have a typical band experience of you know. They try to do their album. They have a little bit of success. They perform some shows, but they don't really reach any sort of national notoriety. It's more of like regional success. Mm-hmm. And within that regional success, they end up uh, moving. Where did they move to? To uh, before they moved in, they start. They were making a uh, music trying to do the church style. Right. So they had augmented to like almost like a church rock type concept mm-hmm. with like the opposite of of death. Right. And then they released a record with that band, and then they got fucking shut down and said, oh, well, the music's, like, too heavy. It's too for, like, soft. Yeah, exactly. Too, for too the name that it's, like, Christian rock, but, like, it's, like, punk rock, so it doesn't, like, line up. And it's too soft. They're singing about things that, like, don't matter enough. And mind you, punk rock doesn't exist at this point. There's only, you know, classic rock. Like, genres are more separated and, and, and segregated at this point. So the sounds and things that they're doing and playing with and cadences and riffs and and all of those different elements of music creation and music theory are all being innovated at that point. Yeah. So not only are they like making a shocking sound, but they're making they have a shocking name as well, and that's what's extra like uncomfortable for people. Hell yeah. So I think they just they like got rejected with that. Clive Davis eventually came across them and offered them like twenty k to change their name from Death. And uh, he's then they still and David still like David and the, said bro- no, the, the brothers, brothers was like ready yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. They were prepared and ready to do it. Like you know they didn't they didn't grow up with a lot of money. They didn't they never heard that amount of money. They're like yo let's let's do it to play music. Like and you're gonna give us twenty k in the seventies twenty k. That's a lot more money than now. It's a steal. But David was like, nah. He's like, case to his like convictions was like, nah. We're not I'm gonna not, change that. It's not worth it to him. The, he's the, like the selling cre- his soul. The creativity mattered more. Mm-hmm. It mattered more, man. The creativity mattered way more, bro, than 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 whatever money could be offered. Cause oh yeah, cause the group was called Fourth Element. That was the name of the group, bro. It was Fourth Element of the Christian group. Yeah, the Christian rock. They switched to. So they start as Death. Death is too dark. We can't sell you. You're too dark. Mind you, it's 1970. This is brand new. It's too dark. Fourth Element. Mm. Now you guys are like reaching too much to like. You're too clean now. So they can't really find like a happy a happy medium, and at this point, it's been like what a few years now that they've been working on on what they've been working on, and it's just not going anywhere. 
they've just been trying to build. They they they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're pushing records. They're getting a little bit of, like like I said, the local notoriety, but not really like that national, you know, the Ramones respect. And they're like they're like really good musicians too. Excellent musicians. It's like they're not able to play this thing live because no one will like sell their records and shit. So they're doing some live performances too. I think they had like a, a, a almost like a a resident a resident yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, club that they would play at and stuff yeah. like that. But as that starts to unfold in Detroit, that's when uh, the oldest brother David he dipped off to New England. Mm. Yeah, he was just out, and he leaves the two youngest brothers behind. Mm-hmm. Didn't they? Or, st- yeah, he, yeah, they wanted to stay and keep doing their thing with music. Or because they started uh, playing in a reggae band together, they like took off. Yeah, they were doing their thing. That was like the, the the reggae band actually put them in a position where they're like actually making money now, and 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 and, and to and life just kind of was happening too around him. Yeah, having yeah. kids, people falling in love, having kids, still being brothers and doing music, but like. At a certain point, they're like, well, we got to do whatever we can do with this right. to make it work for these families that we have. Like, this is a dope gig. Let's just keep doing this. And keep rocking. We're doing the reggae thing. Mm-hmm. We're getting the little bit of respect that we've been looking for. So, And David just did his own thing with his girlfriend. Got and married. I think he did a solo thing, too. He had like He's some solo projects. Yeah. Yeah. So he always had some music as well. And yeah, he pretty fine. much, at this point, has all of the music. So all their master files, all the actual record cuts of the original tracking, he has all of this music. And then they go to a wedding. And at this wedding, he approaches his brothers. And when everyone's leaving, they've done giving gifts. It's the end of the reception. And he says, hey, man, you need to come get these death records. And they're like, man, what do you mean, man? I, I I got copies. I got plenty of copies. He's like, no, some of this stuff nobody has. You need to have it because one day someone's going to come looking for it. Mm-hmm. And I won't be here to give it to him. And they were like noticing that he like was frail. And like he would reassure them like, no, you know, I'm good. I'm good. Like, don't worry about me. But just just remember, like, hold on to these because someday like someone's going to come looking for this stuff. So keep all the death, death stuff around. I'm not going to be here, you know, which is heavy. He filmed the whole wedding for them, too. So in the documentary, there's footage of him, like, filming the wedding of his brothers. It was super interesting, like, the style of his, like, film, too. Like, hella zoom and hella, like, different, like, artistic choices that, like, a conventional video filmer wouldn't, like, film, you know? He's just a creative genius type of person. Yeah. Which a lot of times, like, creative geniuses have a lot of demons or troubles that they have going on as well. So, like, he become, like, an alcoholic and... Eventually, I think what got him. Um, well, yeah, because it was the alcohol with starting in the cigarettes started to kind of because it was like some was it like some cancer lung cancer from like just hella cigarettes. So he eventually passed away like right after that wedding. The wedding was the last time they all saw him. So like that those records just like sat. This music sat. No one really heard it in the world. And that's pretty much it's pretty much like the 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 end of death at that point, mm-hmm. which is like the story of you know so many groups like. You came, you did your thing, and what is the group we did a few episodes ago, the local one? Oh, Tina Bell? Yeah, Tina Bell. And is, Bam Bam. Yeah, Bam Bam is the same thing that happened with Bam Bam, you know? Definitely. Bands that get kind of like swept under the rug, and you know, these files kind of just disintegrated. Lost in time, because 
they weren't, you know, given the opportunity to really be heard by the powers that be, by the masses, or just by not being able to get out. So it just sat, and eventually music collectors somehow got a hold of copies of the original Death So record. what happened was, I'm pretty sure, is there was um, someone who, was he supposed to do a video for him? He, I think he did the art, or he did, like, some sort of production for them. So, like, this dude was like, oh... They couldn't. They couldn't pay me, so they gave me records instead. So and like so, so that was so he was doing the artwork for him, and they're like, "Hey, he, we can't do the budget." And he says, "You know what? Just let me get some copies of these records." Mm-hmm. I believe in you guys. Let me just let me just help you out with this. So we had them, and then gave them out to people and shit, or like sold a couple. Yeah, but didn't really think anything of it. I don't think either. And like music collectors got a hold of it, and it became this huge like rarity. I think he had to. He then had to do the same thing, where like he had a radio DJ or someone was like looking for something. And he as an exchange, he was like, "Here, you know what? I got these records that like no yeah. one's ever heard. I know you like music. And mm-hmm. Here's a gift. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And then like the records themselves became super rare, like worth like eight hundred bucks a piece. Which is a lot for a record. And at that point, that's when music collectors are like looking into it, like, yeah, oh, what's this? Which is like really interesting. So then the brothers are like, what the fuck? Like, you're trying to pay me eight hundred dollars for that song I wrote, like in nineteen seventy what? Like, well, I would have given you a copy. Like, that shit's so old to me. That's how they're looking at it. And so like, the music got passed around online, made the rounds, and like eventually, like this kid heard a voice on an MP3, and it's one of the kids from the family. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? Like, what is this? This this band? Like, this this sounds like my dad. And he like, he's like, there's just something about it that sounded like his family. So he like asked his dad and he played it to him. And his dad was like, yeah, that's us. What the fuck? Well, I thought that was a powerful moment. His dad Huge. got really emotional when like he heard it because he's like, whoa, like, how did you? I thought no one was ever going to hear that record from 30, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. And then now you're putting it in front of my face. Like, how did you get that? And everybody thinks it's, like, dope. Like, to be like, wait, what? And he was like, Dad, your music's being played from death. is being played at underground punk parties right now. He's like, what the fuck? That's so crazy. Yeah. And just, like, this band eventually took off. And... Well, so so the son... uh, uh, So the son at the radio show, they're playing the music. Mm -hmm. And... Because there's, there's, I think there's like three cousins, three or four cousins as well too, that from from the family, mm-hmm. and of the cousins they end up like formulating a band which initially is a cover band, and they're just doing all death songs. So now it's like the 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 rebirth of death, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. As, as much of an oxymoron as that is. No, it, <laughs> the rebirth of death. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a real oxymoron. But the band was called uh, Rough Francis. Yeah, like his son's band, and I believe that was named after Dave Ward David's alias that he went with. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, he like an art name, exactly. Or like his, I think it was the last recording he, last solo project. He yeah, he it did. That. We he called himself Rough Francis. So yeah, and then that record they initially had recorded in the '70s got released 35 years later from when it was made, which doesn't happen ever, unless it's like a classic album like it's sold a million times. And then there's an article eventually got written in the New York Times about all of this. And that article got the attention of, of the Ramones. 
And they were like, wait, what? This band, this is crazy. Like, these guys did it before us. This is so sick. Like, they were like, props. Like, holy shit. Like, we had no idea this was ever here. And they even recognized, like, we got all the glory for, like, all this punk music that was created. But this was created two years before us and, like, never got released. So they, like, offered them to perform and to get, like... Yeah, like, tour with them, essentially. Yeah. Tour, like, perform one of their shows. Yeah. <coughs> super So then they started performing. After the Ramones, they started performing again together as, like, a family. And, like, the first time that the brothers performed it, the two of them with the younger uh, siblings as well and cousins, like, it got, like, way too emotional. I don't... And I like, think, actually, wasn't it they... Oh, no, so before they even went on tour, they covered it like, at, like, a big college party, and the uncle was, like, in tears in the back, like, hearing his his brother who passed away, like, all these lyrics and concepts and riffs that he had made mm-hmm. be performed by their kids. And know? they felt like they were channeling his energy through the music that they all wrote together, and, like, it felt like he was really there in spirit. Which is like such a powerful like statement with music. I really feel yeah, like, no, that's super deep. true. Super no, that's deep. No, it's heavy. Deep. And then at that point, now they start like doing the collaboration thing with the Ramones, and and now at that point, like this is I guess the real rebirth of Death because actual Death members are now. Oh, they just did one show with the Ramones. Right? Was it one? I thought it was two. Okay, just the one. And then they were like playing with the the younger band Rough Francis, and then they had Death. So like Rough Francis would open with their oh, own. Oh, that's songs. what it was. And Rough Francis, like the cousins right. and sons. And then the death was like the headliner, but yeah, it was like man. the two brothers and then uh, David's son performing. It was like the head, man, it's a really singer. dope documentary. Definitely check it out. Check it out. We didn't do enough justice to even how good it is. It's really like solid. no, it really is. Just cause the really the, the the important part is they're the very first punk band ever from the 1970s and when you watch the documentary you see a lot of reputable uh, musicians and people who give them their credit finally. You know, and these are like lost crate files. And it's just such a deep thing. Like we've talked about Bam Bam before, that these bands come about before everything that is popularized. And I think it ties into so much of what we talk talk about here. You know, that deep thinking, the lack of opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. That's the key. What sells and what doesn't, why is this given an opportunity and why isn't this? So this group of black guys who's, well, you guys call yourself death. We don't really like that, but... You guys over here, yeah, we'll give you a chance. But then, then reviews come in and they're like, nah, <laughs> like it's crazy. Just to be told no because it doesn't fit, quote unquote. Exactly. But at the same time, music's just like I feel like an expression of your soul. So like, if you're making your music or saying what you want to say or making whatever style of music you you do, that's your music. You just if you're not doing it to like replicate or copy anything else, you're just making it. I think this comes straight from your exactly. And then, so, I mean, that kind of ties into uh, topic number two or shout out number two reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can kind of slide into that oh, if you man. want. Yep. So. We also watched, uh, it was called. It's on Netflix. It is a Netflix. 40 year old version. So, so listen, very careful. 40 year old version. Version, like a variation, a version, not virgin. Like you haven't had sex, virgin. I guess to proceed this too, I want to say that this idea for me that came out of both death and then this other movie, not documentary, but movie that we watched was uh, music as like a lifelong journey, not as like a flash in the pan, not like a get rich quick scheme, but like music is something that if you, I don't know, if you really just stay true to it and you just keep doing it and it hasn't happened for you, like 
yet and you just really believe in it, it's like a lifelong journey. You know? Like mm-hmm. my uncle was in a band or maybe still is in a band. He's in like his fifty, I think. Fifty, sixties, still playing. And that's dope. That just like it never ends. Me. It never ends. Because like I'm never gonna stop. Exactly. I don't think I ever will either. It's just something that I do too. It's like it's like almost mindless for me to just like play like I just play sometimes, you know? You just gotta play. You just gotta express and do your thing. Yeah, no, that's real. Just flow. But yeah, anyway, so we watched this other thing called the 40 year old version. It's a movie about in New York, set in New York, um, centered around New York, which so where so many tales start of America, so much of America's stories. So yeah, there's a lot of people in New York, a lot of different things, a lot of opportunities, a lot of focused industries. And then this industry, uh, this actually focuses on two of those industries. Say if this movie focuses on theater and focuses on uh, hip hop and how they intersect and how those intersections relate to gentrification in New York um, and how these different art forms both represent New York in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was super interesting. It was like centered on this character. I forgot to write her name down right now, which is stupid. But she uh, is the center character. <laughs> Let me look at that before. <laughs> Let's go back. It's not. <laughs> like, it's definitely worth looking at. Yeah, no, and I, I honestly just blanked on her name, too. So a little background on this one. It's a little different than the film structure of the death documentary. And this one is in black and white, too. So it's got that old school element to it. And it's a movie. It's not, which isn't more. Death is more of like a... Uh, 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 a, a home video documentary style film. This is more of a true structural movie with a, a story behind it. So let's pull up her name. Sorry for the wait. Like the a little, like a, li- like a little, like a little Wayne project. Mm-hmm. Or Frank Ocean. Did, he, that long. did he also do that? No, he just takes forever for. Oh, so that was just a, 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 a shots being fired then. He's just really, I think he's just a perfectionist. I'm not shots fired, I'm just saying. <laughs> he's just like really, Porter Robinson, he's released a new record. It's been like seven years. It's a long time. Rada, her name's Rada. That's her name, and she is the director. She wrote the screenplay, and she's also the name of the main character. So it's kind of like, this is like an autobiographical film. In a lot of ways, she's like a theater teacher. She's a four-year-old black lady in New York, like theater teacher, and just trying to like she wrote plays in the past, and they like she was on like the list of like top thirty before thirty to make it, and like never like got her shot, never did it. I think her mom passed away, and that was like really difficult for her to break through. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was that, that was the heavy like, point. The, the that was the like, point struggling. that like. I feel transitioned her pathway. I feel like she was kind of, she always was ambitious, obviously, mm-hmm, which is why mm-hmm. she got where she got to. Absolutely. Because she's just like, her energy is like super dope. Like, she's yeah. definitely a really cool, like, character. She's a really dope teacher. Do it yourself. And she's like super, like, the movie's super real. Like, it felt like really genuine and just really, it was just really dope to watch unfold. Uh, she was, so she's like teaching, but she's feeling unsatisfied because she's like, man, I'm a playwright, but I'm not getting picked up for like these Broadway shows. Which yeah. has to do with that same thing we're talking about, the mm-hmm. inclusion factor. Why wouldn't she get an opportunity? Is the content not there? Or And her, like, friend, 
who's a Korean dude, is like Korean gay dude is like kind of a middleman between like her like theater career, right? You know? Kind of like a manager. I mean, the manager well, I thought that like, part was interesting too. I wonder why they there's they homies from growing up. They went to like prom together. Mm-hmm. That's just like what that's that was his role in this yeah mm-hmm. in New York absolutely, and like she gets kind of like connected to back to the theater after being gone for a while while she gets reconnected to the theater with this like white director white dude director who's like seems nice but like just kind of quirky and awkward and you're like huh what's what's with this guy you you instantly question his motives and intentions yes definitely and like his acting is so good to like portray that you know as far as the movie goes um so at the same time that opportunity shows up too she like her homie pulls out her like same like manager dude I think pulls out some of her notebooks or she like comes across notebooks of like her raps like oh why'd you stop rapping da 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 she's like oh you know I'm just like uh it wasn't working da 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 just like different things right and she gets connected with this dude in Brooklyn who's a producer and produces uh beats has a cool little setup I think did they he said he said he had produced for somebody too he was like doing it already too like yeah, he was, yeah. he was reputable when she like shows up, it's just in the middle of the session. Right, right, right. Yeah. Got the whole producer vibe. Studios lit. And she's like, "What do I, what do I bring to a music set?" She's, like, you know what? I'll bring some weed. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to pay him with, but if I pay, bring him some weed, he'll be cool. Which is, uh, right, which cool, is sweet. Probably, hey, accurate. Hey, bring some weed to my session. I'm very, I'm hey, you're a okay. You can be there. Mm-hmm. Just share. It's all about sharing. That's sharing it. is caring, especially what they got in jail. <laughs> Real but, facts, but sm- personal parties now with uh, the way the world is. And this is true because we want to be very conscious of uh, the virus things, vaccinated or non-vaccinated. But yeah, back to the film. Like, so she gets both of these opportunities presented to her, to her at the same time. Really interesting. Both of them. I think she gets to rap one. She's like starts doing it. It's like I want to do a mixtape. I want to focus on this. She like starts going towards that, and while she's like focused on that, the. Uh, bigger playwright industry career pops up which is her primary you know what i'm saying primary was her primary was trying to do it wasn't working for her for whatever reasons you know it's not really she's not really a very open person with like why she's feeling what she's feeling she just is the way she is right you know true to true to her convictions um so this opportunity pops up and she's like man what do i do everybody like expects me to do this it's probably way more money left right I want to do both, but like my heart has to fully go into one. And like, also it's like the mistrust, the trauma behind like what the industry has already done to her and like all the no's and is this yes, really a yes. And Mm -hmm. you know, there's just a lot of pressure behind that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so she just movie kind of is about that struggle between those two ideas. I don't really want to blow it up like that because like, it's really, really good. I don't want to blow up the whole story. Oh, yeah, yeah and the whole thing. It, you know? <laughs> this one's definitely one that you want to get through and watch all the way. But we, we don't but even have to go into the story. Though. We can kind of like, dive a little deeper, uh, like we tend to do here, on like some of the concepts and like some of her struggles and how <coughs> they correlate with uh, day-to-day struggles of like black women in the real world, black men in the real world, or just people of color in general, too, too, you know? Personally. Or just people, too, you know? you know? Just, like... It's some deep concepts. Like, it really, like, resonated with me just as a person, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On top Break of it all down. the other things. So, I mean, the first thing I think the movie was pointing out is, like, the extreme gentrification of New York. Like, how it's in Brooklyn and, and 
specifically this movie is Harlan. That's right. what the play is written about. The play is like a take on like what happened in Harlem. It's her as someone who grew up in Harlem. It's like her take on what has happened with the with the, with the problem with gentrification in Harlem as like a predominantly black neighborhood throughout history. How that being gentrified is like taking from culture and taking from the city. And, and I mean, like, if we look at it, the whole nation is going through this. Mm-hmm. Like I like anybody I know from anywhere is saying, everywhere. man, my hood isn't the same as it used to be. Shit, my block's not the same. And this but isn't in a, in a let's make it better, build it up. It's not the same. Mm-mm. This is in a like, like there's there's strangers in my neighborhood. You know what I mean? There's people who want to make me feel like an outsider in a place that I'm a resident. Mm-hmm. 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 Everywhere. Happens in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Happens in Texas. Happens in Portland. Happens in L.A. Happens in D.C. Happens in Virginia. You know what I'm saying? It happens everywhere. It's all, it's like class-based mostly, too. That's the concept, but they've also like. But they've made that also into racist right. ways because of like the way they gerrymander things. Exactly. And the way they fuck people up. Fuck people over. Because what is what is classism when you've already crippled an entire peoples? Totally. You know, there is no equating at that point. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it's common ground. Right. So. Yeah, so go ahead, keep going. What other parts resonated? I like that. So like, That's a dope point, bro. So like, and then art in like predominantly white spaces versus like black or brown spaces, right? You know, so like, so d- get, deep, far, get, deep, get, with, like get deep, get deep, get deep. What I mean is like, so it, the predominantly white space or, pre- or I guess class predominantly rich space would be theater, you know, because that's more expensive tickets. It's a theater production. It's more old school. It's not really something that the kids are into. It's it seemed to be like high class. And you know, versus. I wonder why, man. I wonder why that hasn't been broken. And I want to do that, but if someone does it before me, go you ahead. Know, it's like, probably because like these concepts of like theater are based in like the old like England and shit are based in like Caucasian land. So then it's like, oh, well, this is our art form of this. So like we're gonna prop this up, maybe. I right. don't know. You know. That's just how I think about it right now. That could, you know what? That makes know. sense. No, that makes That's sense. It's, it's a European concept. Exactly, exactly. European concept. Concept. Well, fuck it. We should steal it. You know, versus like a black or brown space where like people who feel more comfortable be like a concert to like your artist that you like. Or like a neighborhood get together with all the people in your neighborhood. Right, a Community barbecue. Event, barbecue like, yeah. game or something. Like uh, the, how Dave Chappelle did the block party, something like that. That's yeah. what my favorite movie do. That movie changed my life, literally. That movie, I had never heard of any of those bands before that movie, basically. What? Because I didn't have... Yeah, I, don't, I was a super square. Super square. Hey, 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 I'll give it to you. Go ahead. Super square. Name, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, they, yeah, no, that's dope, bro. Thanks, Weed. No, Thanks and and that kind of, like, broke you in. Got your feet wet in. Introduced to to what was what, man. Absolutely, yeah. Really started understanding the world a bit more. Hell yeah. And not neglecting a lot of my friends. Right now, I I think they're coming out with something similar to that soon. Yeah, Questlove's directing like a document or directed a documentary about the Summer of Soul that was hosted the same okay the same year as Woodstock, which I don't know if you know about Woodstock. Of course. So same year as Woodstock. 
in I want to say in Harlem, and had like some of the biggest like soul and R&B stars like Nina Simone and BB King and James Brown or maybe Stevie Wonder. I think Stevie Wonder was there. And they have uh, video footage of this and event. And the video footage has never been released till this documentary. I can't wait. <laughs> when does that drop? Uh, in July, I think they announced yesterday. Like in July, on Hulu. Oh no, they're getting an episode or two. That's a oh, dope one. Be, that's, yeah, two part episode for sure. That's gonna be so sick. Cause like, yeah, it's never been released, and they found it. They made. They're gonna release it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think you said you got another. Uh, what What was the other kind of attachments to? Uh, the 40 year old version that you kind of had I had the uh, music as like a lifelong or music or like art as like a lifelong journey I would say creativity or art if that's like your passion like following that as like your lifelong journey yeah 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 and like the difficulty of like getting older and like feeling like unsatisfied by like not achieving the dreams that you like had maybe thought you were as fast as you were going to or like the dreams that you thought were going to happen that didn't happen or not to the level that you expected like Music's like a very difficult industry, very broad concept. I think what I've learned from moving through through. it is like discipline. And I feel like that was a big part that I took from it. As it just comes down to being disciplined, to trusting your vision, protecting your dreams and staying on your mission, despite any other distractions or life obscurances. And I feel like that's what she was showing us through her character's struggles through, you know. Just constantly staying on your path and grasping whatever opportunities present themselves because being multifaceted and multi-talented, as long as you're progressing in some realm or some field, you're, you're going the right direction. You know what I mean? I think the, the big thing for her, too, is that both her parents were artists. And so, like, that kept her, like, inspired to just keep going with it because, like, she didn't ever want to become like her parents. But then at the end of the day, she is still, like, an artist and, like, wants to... Yeah, have yeah. the opportunity and carve that life out. And I and I is. think that always happens as a means of like individualism or like search for individualism. You don't want to follow right in suit sometimes, so you go to the extreme when, in fact, destiny just puts you in that same thing. Your genetic that your blood is flowing the same way their blood is flowing. Mm-hmm. You just want to do them same things. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's break down each point a little bit more because I I like that and I think it was a. I think it's interesting, especially because you two come from two different completely worlds. So to have those type of correlations and associations with uh, her story, I think is really dope. So what was the first one again? It was. Uh, um, gentrification. Gentrification. I mean, a concept we kind of broke into, but it's like a global a global scheme and gentrification it has this like long drawn out word but it's just racism or and classism yeah but like at the end of the day classism is really just racism though because class was derived and they classism when they get what classism is the ability to get uh, uh, the illusion of inclusion they're saying oh if you reach this financial status then you are going to equate to us and you're going to be of our class when in actuality that's not the case but there's like there is not there's not only a problem in the u.s like i was watching this thing about like nigeria where, where it's like this like city got bought out by all the fucking rich people and then they just have to like carve out their own city in like the water somewhere it's way more desperate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's still the sure. same idea of like gentrification of like, oh, your your block got bought up. You can't live here anymore. Well, I don't care. I'm gonna buy the building. Like I don't 
The person who buys the building doesn't care about the tenant. There's not there's not people in those buildings to that person. It's just a building. You know? No, that is that is true, bro. Yeah, that is a, that, that's that's a fair point. Just I just land. think that gentrification in America, because of what we're supposed to stand for and all of the other laws that are constantly enforced, that it like I don't know. It hits different. Not Def- to, de- in America, definitely, definitely. You know what I mean? And and, and just like all the. The, I mean, Nigeria, fortunately, was one of the few places on this earth that wasn't colonized, you know? Oh, so, I like, didn't the, know that ra- so the racist history here and on top of the gentrification is just like, it's salt on the wound. Here, Here is a big thing. Let's talk about that more here. Like, just the. Seattle. Let's talk about Seattle 10 years ago at this point, five years ago. Oh. When do you think the switch happened? Like it's, it happened really drastically. Uh, it probably started 10, 15 years ago, honestly. Started, started, yeah. I think I remember growing up, like, the one place that I remember, like, first started was, like, Columbia City. We yeah. would, like, joke about it as driving through. Because we always would drive right here, so we would smoke blunts. Just right. stay right here. That's what we did. Fucking Columbia City. Look at all these fucking Starbucks and all these white people. What the fuck? And we go to, like, Jones Barbecue just, like, past it. Or, like, before it all got bought up. Jones doesn't even exist there anymore. Because they just buy because everything. Because they buy everything. Buy yeah. it, break it down, put a condo there. Mm-hmm. Buy it, break it down, put a condo there. Put a, put a restaurant in who, who can afford more money. Yeah. There's like the Mexican joint down there just closed too. It's really sad down how there. they do that to a community though and just uproot things. And this is the thing. The concept behind it is beautiful. We want to give y'all new shit. Yeah. You, you're, the, you're the guy who sells bread? We just want to give you a new shop. But it's never that. It's... In order to have the financial means to build these buildings, we had to promise all these other people spaces and equity on this building that you will never be able to touch. So we're literally just going to take this from you and like jig it to these people over here. Mm-hmm. And that's, then like, that's, what a great breakdown. That's it. Like yeah. We're just going to jig it to them. And then that's it. If it was like, hey, we're going to jig it to them and then you're going to eat a little bit and you still get to be the one running your situation. Everybody wins. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Mm-mm. The case is a lot deeper than that. It's always, it's always more about yeah, take and sell, take and sell, taking, take and sell, take and sell. Uncle Ike's making take thing, it, making sell. things that only and and not even making things that make money for the community you took from. All right, but hey, you know what? Hey, when I got here, I thought I was buying it from this guy over here. I didn't know he had taken it from you to sell it to me. I'm making a bunch of money. Let me break you guys off so you can do your thing over there. No. Greed. Greed. It's all about greed. Colonization is about greed. Where we live is cold. It sucks. We want to go over there. We want to have this house and that house and then that house. Because fuck those people. And that house. Because I believe this. Because it's mine. Because I'm the one. Because God God wants me to have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, ultimately. Because mm-hmm. God told me that this is supposed to be for me. It's mine. Bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. Don't like it. Don't like that at all. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. All right, what was number two? Number two... Was art in predominantly white spaces versus black or brown spaces, or minority? We should just say minority spaces. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's okay. But uh, how many of those exist? Different spaces. 
minority spaces. I I feel like there's problem. I don't know. More but less. How many? Like, where? Name some. It, but what? In, I think there's more, but they make far less money than the other spaces. Where? Like, what do you mean, like where? Like specific places? Or yeah, just like, like in Seattle. Give me an example of where there's a minority space. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just. This is gonna segue into a point. Mm. Like a specific one? I can't even right now. Used because to be like, there's none. Yeah, there isn't. You used to be like T. Lose. No. And even that was not. No, it wasn't. That was a white space. I mean, like, own? You mean own? That was a white space. What do you mean, like, people that, there? That was occupied sometimes by mixed crowds. Fair. Wasn't a black space. A black space or a minority space is a space that black people own it. Black people work there. Black people get paid out of there. Black people enjoy it. They're the majority of enjoying it. Other people show up and like, oh, okay, this is a nice dance. You ever been to Atlanta? No. Or anywhere in the South? Yes, the South, but not Atlanta. Atlanta is a great example. I've been to New Orleans a few times. The only other example I could give you is Africa. But Atlanta is a great example. To where you land at the airport, the flight attendant. Hey, you're black. The person checking the bags. Hey, damn, you black too. The lady at the Starbucks. Damn, you black too? Your Lyft driver. Everybody. There's just a lot more black mm-hmm. people there. Absolutely. Those yeah. are, I mean, now the airport's a bad example because the people there don't own no, those know, things. I know what you mean. No. But that's what I mean by a black space because art exists in white spaces in America. Definitely. That's what, that is what gets, yeah. Art absolutely. exists in white spaces. Because that's who's going to buy it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what pop music is supposed to be. This fits in our white space. And it just so happens that all our kids grew up around you ruffians because we dropped crack in your neighborhoods. Whatever. And because of this, now hip-hop is, is that. And we figured it's a win-win because we can utilize this to influence the generations to come to give us more of your money. It's all good. <laughs> it's a great play. It's fucked up. It's a great play. It's an excellent setup. There are no that and and that was what it is. Like art exists. That's why people always uh, like out of town people are like, man, there is so many talented Seattle artists. Man, you're dope, bro. Why aren't you on yet? Why isn't this person on yet? Why isn't this person on yet? It's because we don't have black spaces. The cities where hip hop artists, local hip hop artists make it or have opportunities. There's black spaces. L.A., Atlanta, uh, New York. York. There's black spaces. So places where the little white Jewish dude, he want to hear raps, he has to go there. Mm -hmm. And he knows he can sign somebody there and make his move. You know what I'm saying? There's no space like that out here. It has to be someone from the black or minority community either code switching or utilizing a translator to enter those white art spaces or to host it like independent DIY. I feel like people do that. Yeah, you can be, yeah, yeah, but think about it like this though. When you, when you host it independent DIY, unless with exception to like the warehouse situations where you're really just leasing from 
a corporation, not an individual. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just a white space. Mm-hmm. If you rent a nightclub, who are you renting the nightclub from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might be your event, but if in actuality, you're only improving their business, which is why they accepted the deal. Oh, you? You want to bring your minority friends to my place? One day a month? All right, cool. Hey, have any of them been here before? No, none of them have been here before. How many are coming? Oh, a few hundred. Cool, cool, cool. On that first day, they're just going to present that space like it's a great space. And then now you just gave them more fans, Mm -hmm. more people to come purchase. I wonder if there is somewhere in Seattle. DIY is when that's when you go to a brown person and say, hey, can I use your thing that is yours and I'm going to do my thing with it? Then it's a black space. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's some clubs where they play hip hop and there's a, they can be a majority of black people. But at the same time, it's not a black space because it's being policed by white police. They're, you know what I'm saying? It's owned by white or Asian or Russian or whatever, European. Or, you know what I'm saying? So it's not real. There aren't black spaces. Not in this city. That makes sense. And not in a lot of cities. There's definitely queer spaces, I'd say. But I don't think of course. Like of course. Black spaces. Which is why Dave Chappelle, whether it's funny, humorous, or like whatever, that's why he says certain jokes that he says. Like where he'll reference things like like uh 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 like getting like equality as like a cue line. Like you're standing in a single file line and he's saying like the queer community is trying to skip ahead of the black community in line because uh, uh, like, hold on, we've been doing this for 300 years. How long? You know what I'm saying? Those type of things come up because that happens. There's streets with rainbows. Matter of fact, on Pride, there was a police car that had and said Seattle police. But instead of the white writing they normally had, it was the rainbow pattern writing, which is tight. That's cool. But why is there never one that has the Pan-African colors to be like, hey, that's that's what the one that you send out to the to the black neighborhoods with black police officers, because that's when America has some balance to it. It's not about segregation. You should be integrating. It should be a black sergeant with a white minor, like whatever is under him, his white deputy. They should be going to black neighborhoods. And the black sergeant's taking the lead and being able to articulate and be a barrier to teach. And then vice versa. A black, uh, uh, a black uh, deputy and a white sergeant and then Asian deputy, Asian sergeant, so that they can integrate and be able to... Someone for whoever's from the community should be the exactly. one showing them around, whatever that community is. Because it used to be yeah, that. Yeah, beat cops. It used to be that. Because then it's different. Then it's, oh, there go, oh, there go, bro, right there. That's Tommy. Hold on, let me talk to Tommy. Tommy, man, come on, man. I know you got these things on. They can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Instead of a scared cop. Oh, my God, what is that guy doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck, we got to handle this. We got to fucking handle this. Mm-hmm. What? Instead of the cool, complected, oh, that's so-and-so. I understand his mannerisms. I speak his vernacular. We share uh, 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 um, a community laundry mat. Uh, we go to the same whatever. Doesn't matter. I know the community. Even if I don't live there, I know the community. As opposed to these cops who drive around scared as fuck. 
through neighborhoods where they know, damn, hell, another cop just killed somebody else. I know these fucking black motherfuckers going to be looking at me ready to prove something. I got to get home to my wife. It's bullshit. It sucks. It sucks. It's terrible. It's a terrible reality, but a reality nonetheless. But we can wrap it back up and get to this to last closing. This thing called Two Distant Strangers next time. It's like Joey Badass short film on Netflix as well. Okay, yeah. But it's about black young black male and cops. Be dope to watch. I think it's short. It just, it just won an Oscar yesterday. Hell yeah. Which no. I never I don't watch the Oscars, but I still look it up afterwards just because I want to know. I want to know what people are talking about if, they talk, yeah. if they talk about yeah. it. But I'm when, not trying to watch the shit. That's so boring. Have you ever tried to watch the Oscars? It's the most boring fucking world show. Oh, I used to no do shit like that when I was a kid. No performances. Like with my mom's. Yeah, she used to watch that so shit. Boring. But like that's also back when there was like only so much on TV. Like they yeah. they finesse it like the eight Oscars channels. the Oscars be on and like ain't shit else on. Like <laughs> no programs but reruns is on. Like oh fuck it. I might as well watch it, bro. Like whatever. Definitely. I guess the last point was just again the whole point of like kind of both of these documentaries is the music as a lifelong journey difficulty of getting older with or with art and not achieving your dream to the level that you wanted to or expected and like you said the advice is just be disciplined and just keep doing your thing yeah because that's the journey and that's advice for anybody like who's 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 tapped in listening no matter what it is you want to do if you want to be a clothing designer you want to own something if you're disciplined then you'll be able to achieve it because even if it, it's not, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy at all. But if you're disciplined, then you'll be able to get it. The only difference between successful and non-successful is non-successful people decided at one point that they're like, ah, this isn't for me. As long as you know what you're doing is for you and you believe in it and it makes you happy and makes you feel fulfilled, you just keep doing it, man. Stay disciplined, because that artist's journey, that's that's what the band Death, that's what they were about. That's what David was on. He just was about making the music. You got to find something that you'll do for free and then market it. Like, I love just doing this. I just do it just to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, you want to pay? But Oh, people get paid for it? Yeah, let me make sure I can get my little bag, too, so I can keep doing it and enjoying the leisures of life. Discipline is the biggest key, man. Mm-hmm. And just like, just not having the expectation that you're just gonna fucking overnight make it like all that happens for some people but yeah. like it's not doesn't happen for most people no that's real there's there i mean there's I, a lot of work that goes behind that shit too and i i think i think studying is something that is like almost like a lost art form like encouraging people to read there's so much like scroll swipe and things like that but studying studying success is the best way to be successful no matter what, if you're a tennis player and you're watching Kobe Bryant, you can be more successful just by understanding the work ethic and the amount of relentlessness. Because what happens as humans is we hit these obstacles and these moments where it's like, man, I don't know if I can do it, dude. Oh, man, I don't know if I can do it. But if you have that inner voice that can push you through. And then you get to the other side like, damn, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, man, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. It just keeps you going, man. Discipline, staying focused, understanding the worlds and the spaces that you are living in, too. So if you are working in a white space, a black space, or how to transition space, or how to try and integrate integrate the spaces if you can. Shit like that, man. 
Definitely. So you guys definitely got to check out. It's called a band called Death, right? That's on yeah. YouTube. And a forty-year-old version. And that is on Netflix, They're man. So good. Both of them super good. We didn't do them true justice with it, but we've almost given too much on some episodes, so we wanted to try a different version. Feel free to drop comments, tell us which one you like. When you like us to spill all the tea and leak the secrets, or want to get you a little flavor and then let you watch it and talk about it, we can get engaged. This is your boy OG Mambo. And Chris. And this is another episode of Surface Thinkers. Peace.